Welcome to This Week in Local, a Locology podcast featuring lively conversations about the local digital ecosystem, hosted by Locology analysts Mike Bolin and Charles Lachlan. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode two of This Week in Local. This is Locology's new podcast featuring what we call lively conversations on the local digital ecosystem. And we're going to try to do it for you every week in 30 minutes or less. As we like to say here, this is a very treadmill friendly podcast. So what we're really doing on the podcast is talking about articles we're publishing on Locology Insider, at least some of them, the ones we're most excited about. Uh, And that's Locology's online publication where we track developments that are defining the local digital ecosystem. So our sole plug of the episode today will be to ask you to subscribe to this podcast this week in local on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. So I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Bolin, my fellow senior analyst at Locology. Mike, how's it going today? Hi, Charlie. Good to be here. Great. Thanks, Mike. So so today you're going to riff on something that you wrote uh, this week in local. <laughs> Uh, we're going to try to say that as often as possible. So, you know, the title just gets burned into people's heads. Um, and you talked about some significant changes that Google's made to its uh, its search results experience. And I'm just going to read the lead paragraph that you just wrote, because I think it's pretty damn good. I'm not going to do that all the time, but I, I wanted to do that this time. Okay, so here it goes. They say that the best place to hide a body is on page two of Google search results. Now that hiding spot may be going away. Google this week announced that it's launching continuous scrolling on desktop search results, SERPs as they're commonly known, which sidesteps the friction of having to click through pages. Mike, I know I'm lame, but that joke has always made me laugh. How would you rewrite the joke now? Yeah, well, I guess the... um... Google's cracking down on 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 body hiding um, and you know hiding other nefarious and illegal activity on page two uh, because yes that page two is sort of going away and to be clear they they did this a few years ago on mobile and the thought in mobile was you know less finger taps continuous scroll is sort of just a, a UX standard that's developed on mobile now they're sort of extending that to desktop for a lot of reasons and. It's just as it sounds. Instead of you know the traditional page format, um, you can just keep scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. It's not infinite scroll technically, which just goes on infinitely. I think they they let you have about six pages, which is roughly sixty results. And then if you want more, you can just sort of hit more, which essentially loads additional results. Um, and it's actually surprising it took them this long to do that. I think that like. Google continues to evolve beyond that sort of traditional 10 blue links paradigm um, in thinking that, you know, that's not the way the human brain works. Mm -hmm. You know, as Yext always says, we want answers, not links. Um, And and it continues to sort of, you know, work on its index and work on its knowledge graph in a lot of ways. Some of those changes tend to be algorithmic and some are more sort of UX based. This is one of the UX based um, enhancements. And if you think about it, one result might be that we'll we'll see those page two or what what is currently page two results more often. Because right now, again, you know, that's where you hide the body. No one goes there. And I think it's a combination of just like, you know, friction of clicking to go to page two, but also this sort of like 
mental block we all have or this thought that like if it's not good enough for page one it's probably not relevant so i think one result of this is is those you know results 20 through 30 and beyond are just going to get more airtime. um so i think that's going to be an interesting development there another thing google launched this week which which was part of the same article and it was a separate announcement but i think related in that overall goal of continuing to just make more make search more intuitive make it more natural language uh, make it more answers based is on mobile. So that first update was on desktop on mobile. What they've done is they've added these sort of filtration tags to your search. So after you do a search on mobile, the first thing you'll see at the top of the page above the actual results are these sort of, you know, recommended subtopics or drill downs based on your original search. So say I'm looking for dinner ideas, there'll be tags that say things like, healthy or fast or gluttonous or maybe different, mm -hmm. you know, types of ethnic foods. Right. And then if you click on one of them, like say I click on healthy, then it will filter the results, regenerate. And then, you know, you'll see more tags with those subsequent results. And those tags may be things that are drill downs of healthy. So vegetarian or, you know, other types of healthy foods. So the, the point is that search becomes like progressive, several searches rather than once you do your search, have to go back and do another search if you didn't find what you're looking for, which again is sort of, sort of towards that UX goal in mobile of less taps. So right. all in all, as you can tell, the theme is they just continue to work like the UX angle in Google SERPs um, to make them more intuitive and, and to do a lot of things that I think are, are interesting. And, um, you know, everything we've talked about is more in a sort of user experience bucket as opposed to, you know, Google monetizing things to get more clicks or higher CPCs. And that's maybe a different story, but I guess I'll pause there because like, you know, a lot of, a lot of UX based updates this week from Google, both desktop and mobile. Okay. So really interesting. So is this simply porting over the mobile experience to the desktop or is there more to it than that? I think it's, you know, that's basically it. Um, and I think that, you know, we see this often from Google where they will do things in one or the other. And then if they find that it really sort of resonates well, just based on their preponderance of data, um, mm -hmm. just given Google scale, that they want to roll it out over other channels. So that second one I mentioned with like the tags and the filtration and the drill down, you know, the the logical sort of looking forward uh, outcome of that could be that we may see that eventually end up on desktop. Um, so so that part has not appeared yet on desktop. Yeah, those, those sort of taxonomy tags, those filtration things aren't on desktop yet. Yeah. That's that's a mobile only. It's available on mobile web and then Google's app on iOS and Android. Okay, I, I search all the time on that app. I don't think I've ever clicked on the healthy tag. Not that yeah, I ever yeah. would. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that was a bad example. <laughs> that's not my, it's not how I roll. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. that's that's interesting. Are there any business model implications in your view? Yeah, I think that, you know, on the surface level, we always look for things like, will this, in, you know, lead to greater query volume, higher, mm -hmm. you know, ad coverage and density, greater click through rates, because those are all the sort of inputs that, you know, uh, amplify Google's monetization. I think on a surface level, this doesn't necessarily sort of boost any of those sort of KPIs that directly result in monetization. But more generally speaking, Google sort of continues to try to future-proof itself and improve search so that people keep using it. It wants to maintain its massive market right. share right. in well, search. Well, it's always put it's the about... user first, right? I mean, yeah. that's, that's a cliche, right? But 
Yeah, but it, it's all about query volume. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I mentioned those things like click the rates and cost per click. Mm -hmm. What comes before all that is query volume. Are people searching? And I think mm -hmm. these types of moves keep people on Google because it just better serves them. Um, and that's sort of the the long run, the long, long term thinking in Google sort of design um, and ongoing product evolution. But I think it's still important. So, yeah, there is a monetization tie, but I guess it's more indirect. OK, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, uh so. Charlie, um, let's move on to um, what you're looking at. Um, so you often write about food tech. Um, and, and one of the, the subtopics of that, which I always find fascinating, is this this uh, sort of concept of ghost kitchens, which mm -hmm. have had sort of their ups and downs, especially in the pandemic. But there's a company called Wonder that you've been looking at for a while, and it had some updates this week. So tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, sort of. Let's just say recently. I can't remember when I actually wrote about this. It's recently. This Week in Local is, is a catchy title and we're sticking with it recently in local doesn't quite resonate as strongly but it, i recently <laughs> wrote about wonder and yeah. so quick background on wonder the the founder is a gentleman named mark lore uh, i believe he owns the minnesota timberwolves uh in the nba mm -hmm. he founded jet.com to be honest i'm not that familiar with it it was i believe it was acquired by walmart so yeah. he's kind of been acquired into wall he was acquired into walmart correct did some good work there apparently left to start this thing called Wonder. I can't remember, it's not in front of me when it was founded, it's still over the last year or so. They raised a boatload of money, like 450 million, something in that range. Just a lot of money. Uh, and some big VCs were involved in it. You know, it's the sort of thing where a, a big name in entrepreneurship knocks on a door, the money just falls out. At least that used yeah. to be the case, and perhaps until quite recently. And um, but anyway, so he raised this scary amount of money to do this thing. And the basic idea was, think Ghost Kitchen on wheels. I mean, I could have that idea and I'm not going to raise dollar, raise dollar one. Mark Moore <laughs> has that idea and it's $450 million. And he goes on Jim Cramer's show on CNBC and Jim Cramer gives him, you know, the Jim Cramer tongue bath and, you know, off it goes. And now, so basically the idea was ghost kitchen on wheels. You drive around with a, with Bobby Flay in the back, grilling steaks, you pull up to somebody's McMansion in New Jersey and you deliver the meal, the hot, you know, name brand food celebrity meal to that door front. In, and it took, it was suburban New Jersey. So basically I think the idea was, you know, Wall Street exec goes home dials up wonder bobby flay not literally i don't think bobby flay ever set foot in one of these trucks but there was a number of celebrity names associated with it his was one okay you know the food truck pulls up delivers this you know name brand sort of foodie meal to the wall street family living in new, suburban new jersey boom you've got a business worth raising you know for hundreds of millions getting a billion dollar plus valuation etc apparently it didn't go that well OK, and uh, the last thing we covered on them was there is a report uh, in the information, which is you know publication that I uh, follow regularly for whatever the free bits I can steal from it. Uh, and inside that like free window, it reported on Wonder's latest development, which was that it was laying off significant portion of its staff, not all of it, and that it was trying to like unload some of the vans that it had acquired. It sounded like the beginning of an unwinding. I'm not sure if it is a complete unwinding. We're still following up on that. But I think it was 
yet another i mean there's a bit of schadenfreude here because i always thought it was a stupid idea to be perfectly candid with you and uh seeing it not work was like okay my impulse that it was a dumb idea it seems to be right mm. and uh not that i think ghost kitchens by and large are a dumb idea i think they're they're an interesting idea ghost kitchen on wheels seemed like you know a little too clever by half and yeah. there you there you go so yeah. that's kind of that's the update on that. You know, we can we can beat up so on it, it a little more if you like. <laughs> it it sounds like you know ghost kitchens meet food trucks. Um, that's kind now, of it. Yeah. Now, um, sort of backing up for those unfamiliar with the the ghost kitchen concept, and and of course it's it's very interesting in theory. We've been watching it for a few years. You know, in the pandemic, it made a lot of sense. It sort of strips down all of the sort of frills of a restaurant, you know, and just sort of works towards better unit economics because you basically just have in theory, a chef making a great dish without the, the cost structure of a storefront and fancy real estate on a thoroughfare. And it's just about the food. And then that savings can increase margins, but then also be passed on to the customer. And it sort of feeds into the growing on-demand economy, delivery, all that stuff. So in theory, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In theory, it all sounds great. So like what, um, you know, t- walk us through the last few years of Ghost Kitchens leading up to this wonder company in terms of, you know, because it, it, it hasn't really panned out to the degree we thought we were really about this idea a few years ago. We were. It looks so good on paper. Now, now we're so, sort of looking side eyed at Ghost Kitchens. Yeah. It's like, whoever thought that was a good idea? Well, mm. I think you and I did. But um Anyway, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of kind of big names in Ghost Kitchens. Travis Kalanick, mm-hmm. uh, tech bro number one, um, got into it with Ghost Kitchens. So, or excuse me, Cloud Kitchens, sorry. Cloud Kitchens, yeah. And um, those two terms are used interchangeably. I think they are essentially interchangeable. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know... Travis Kalanick, I think, hid a real estate play behind a ghost behind Ghost Kitchens because he ended up buying up a lot of warehouse real estate, et cetera, et cetera. And I think the business was you join and you launch a virtual restaurant through their platform. Right. And so there's a distinction to be made between virtual restaurants and ghost kitchens, because a ghost kitchen can be the fulfillment wing for a branded on the street uh, restaurant brand. Right. That has a virtual piece like with it you know and they could outsource that to a ghost kitchen yeah they can outsource it to scale up to levels of demand that they can't fulfill themselves which makes it more variable for them right right and and some have done that and and you know with mixed results and and it's not like delivering food to the home is going on you know um i think this thing just got overbuilt and oversold uh to a certain degree but anyway the idea of a virtual restaurant is interesting and a lot pretty recently we were writing about this a lot of you know, people like George Lopez tacos through a completely virtual. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that anyone's bought a virtual George Lopez taco lately. He's got a new sitcom. I don't, I don't know if those yeah. two things are related. Um, anyway, so the idea was you want to start a virtual restaurant, go to a ghost kitchen. You can be a food entrepreneur. You don't want to buy the store. You don't want to lease the storefront, you know, on the street thing. So you do the virtual restaurant. You partner with the delivery apps, you fulfill through a ghost kitchen. The problem with that is the brand building is a whole lot harder, you know. And quality control. Yeah. You know, you're outsourcing your Mm -hmm. core product. So it's not Mm -hmm. happening under your nose. Right. 
Well, the big complaint was you end up spending more on digital marketing than you anticipated to build mm -hmm. the brand. And that cost, that unanticipatedly high cost, offsets some of the upfront cost savings that you gain from not opening a physical restaurant. Yeah. That was basically... one beef. Yeah. And, and just basically, they're not considered a big success. Uh, yeah. Name of massive success in virtual restaurants. I can't, you know. Yeah. Um, well, you basically become more of a marketing and logistics company than you, that's what it is. It's, it's a marketing. Yeah. You have to be you have to get the marketing just right. And what ends up happening for a lot of them is they get lost into the, in the directory of a DoorDash, you know, kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And it, you just become uh, an empty brand that no one knows and no one uses. And and if you're not willing to really pour a fi fire hose digital marketing spend behind yeah. it. Uh, and even that uh, just ends up running up the cost of operations. But that's the only way anyone has seen a path to success with this thing. So it's kind of been a flop, to be honest. Yeah. So yeah. you could say that we used to be very bullish on this idea, but now we have a major beef with the model. <laughs> yes, you could say that. In fact, I was thinking about what's for dinner today. And, and now you just answered the question. So yeah, yeah, we, we, we just need we need more food puns. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So that's I don't know how much more we're going to be have to say about the whole ghost kitchen virtual restaurant space. I think we've kind of laid out our opinion of it, that it's a little played out. Well, we'll see there. You know, we'll keep watching. We'll keep watching. If something new happens, we'll write about it. So, Mike, um, I think that's been kind of fun. It's uh, another week in local. Uh, and thanks for coming on today, as usual. And I think we'll end it there unless you have anything you want to add on Google search results or ghost kitchens before we sign nope. off. I'm good. We'll, we'll continue watching both those topics. I'm sure they'll both be developing. Cool. All right, Mike, thanks for joining today. Thanks to our audience out there for joining. Please subscribe, like, share, complain, whatever you feel about this podcast, act on it. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Locology's This Week in Local with Mike Boland and Charles Lachlan. Be sure to subscribe for more.